I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we're covering the episode of NXT that originally aired on May 22nd, 2014. Fact! On this episode, there are two women's matches. Fact. Oh my There's God. also a match between Bo Dallas and Big E where Bo has to leave NXT if he loses. Fact. <sighs> Unrelated to all of that, the main event of the show involves Kurt Hawkins. Yes. Fact. <laughs> episode 53 of the next wrestling fan a podcast of fights and feels last episode eh, didn't do a ton for us mm. although we did get a pretty cool triple threat match and got to argue about the four humors so that was a good time <laughs> this episode we uh, get the go home show for nxt takeover which incidentally takes place exactly a year bob after our very first episode covered. Oh, So we started with the May 22nd, 2013 episode. This is the May 22nd, 2014 episode. Holy crap. And I am just very curious as to whether or not Bob enjoyed it. And uh, we'll find out in Bob's breakdown. After which, as you might suspect, Bob, we have to ring the bell Mm. for one or two of our oldest friends here in NXT. Mm. But at least then we get the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling as well as a Bob fanfic, which they described to me as, quote, stupid as fuck. It's <laughs> a good sign. That is, that is a quote. And a brand new edition of Wrestling Move of the Week Ooh. before going into TakeOver on a high note with the cheap pop quiz. But before any of that, we need to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob is coming in with 11 points. Gracious. Four away from a romance novel episode with a guest. So let's see how they did this time. Question number one. Who does Adrian Neville face in the main event of the NXT TakeOver Go Home Show? Is it A, Aiden English, B, Baron Corbin, C, Kurt Hawkins, D, Angelo Dawkins, or E, Enzo Amore? Uh, And for those wondering, yes, I did particularly enjoy the Hawkins-Dawkins rhyme there. And yes, I did make an actual effort to uh, have letters that begin those names go down the line with A, B, C, D, E, uh, Mm. because I have been listening to lots of cabin pressure, and they do that with their episodes. Yay! (laughs) Bob, you selected the answer C, Kurt Hawkins, And you're correct. And boy, was I happy to be correct about that. What a delight. (laughs) Question number two. Next episode features a one-on-one match between Camacho and Adam Rose. How does that match end? Is it A, Rose wins cleanly, ending the feud just before NXT TakeOver? B, Camacho wins via cheating, leading to another match at NXT TakeOver? C, Rose wins via countout because Camacho doesn't want to get into the ring, leading to another match at NXT TakeOver. D. Camacho wins via disqualification when Captain Comic attacks him, leading to another match at NXT TakeOver. Or E. 
Rose wins via disqualification when Captain Comic attacks him, aligning with Camacho and leading to a tag team match at NXT TakeOver with Camacho and Comic facing off against Rose and the Bunny. Uh, Bob, you couldn't resist that last one. No. I don't blame you. That would have been better. <laughs> oh my god, I would have died of happiness. And I'd be lying if I told you that Adam Rose will never team up with the Bunny in a wrestling <sighs> match sometime in the future of his wrestling career. Oh. Uh, but the answer in this case was C. Rose wins via countout because Camacho doesn't want to get in the ring, and they're going to have another match at TakeOver. And question number three. Next episode also features a one-on-one -on -one match between Bo Dallas and Big E, in which Bo gets a title shot if he wins, but he has to leave NXT if he loses. How does that match end? Is it A, Big E wins cleanly and the crowd boos Bo out of NXT? B, Big E wins cleanly and Bo has to be dragged out of NXT by security? C, in a bit of poetic justice, Big E wins with the help of an exposed turnbuckle, and Bo tells the NXT audience they stink before leaving. D, Bo wins with the help of an exposed turnbuckle, just like he did in their first match, and will face whoever walks out of TakeOver as the champion, or E, Bo wins with the help of an exposed turnbuckle just like he did in their first match and is added to the championship match at TakeOver, making it a triple threat. Bob, you went with B, Big E wins cleanly and Bo has to be dragged out of NXT by security. That is not correct. Uh, the answer, once again, as it was for every question on this quiz, oh. was C. Big E wins with the help of the exposed turnbuckle and Bo tells the NXT audience they stink before leaving. I want to talk more about that. <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to talk about that for the next five years. <laughs> but we cannot do that until we get into Bob's Breakdown. So this is the go-home show of NXT before TakeOver. So we are going to find out what the hell we're coming into this culminating blowout with. And joining us on this ride into TakeOver is Alex Riley, Rich Brennan, and Renee Young. Match one. Oh, frick. We're starting out big. It's Bo Dallas's win or leave NXT match. And as I was watching it, Neil turned to me on the couch and said, ah, so it's Bo big or Bo home, huh? And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're a genius. You're a genius. Why did nobody say that on the broadcast? Such a missed opportunity. I know. I'm like, you've said it for every other thing. All right. So Bo enters, gets on the mic to say that NXT was built on Bo leaving, and he humbly accepts the title of Mr. NXT. I want to make it clear, no one offered this title. This was not a title that was even on the table that existed. He just announced it. So I'm yeah. really intrigued by this ability to just accept titles that you give yourself. I was going to ask Miles, are there any titles you'd like to accept? Like titles that I would like give myself? Yeah, just that you just want to accept on behalf of people who you very much assume would just give you that title. On behalf of everyone uh, listening to this right now, and indeed everyone in the world in general, mm -hmm. uh, I would officially like to name myself uh, the wokest white dude. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Congratulations. I, am, I don't think that's actually true, probably, but uh, I'm just going to go with it. No, I, I think that's the move of the wokest white guy, though. Like, that's is to true. accept the title of it. I, I think that's you you're ascending <laughs> to a higher level in some way. <laughs> I will also accept future liberator of the world from capitalism. 
Oh, wow. But, you know, that's another uh, a woke white dude thing to do is be like, I'm going to be your hero <laughs> someday, eventually. When my kid goes off to college and I have time. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You get it. I'd like to accept the title of um, Captain Romance as okay. uh, the best person in the universe at getting you personally, Miles, to read romance novels. So honestly, know, thank you. that is like that is a title you should have. That's why I'm pleased to publicly accept it here on episode 53 of The Next Wrestling Fan. So thank you to Mm. everybody. Um, Thank you. Thank you. You're all too kind. So Big E comes in and people are throwing up all those hands spread wide for the five chant. And I was just going, oh, man, Lindsay Kelk was so right. Like the best thing you could do as a wrestler is pick a gimmick that involves counting. Who doesn't love counting? Sesame Street knows this because Miles... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Do you still remember that song? I mean, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean you guess? That song's fucking tremendous. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that I have very spotty memories of my childhood. Like, I'm not mm. one of those people. I think one of the reasons I don't get nostalgic about shit in the same way that a lot of other people do is because, like, I don't fucking know what I was watching when I was five. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember that shit. I remember bits and pieces, but there are things that are seared into my memory, and that song, Counting to Twelve, is one of those things. It's one of those things where it's like, I could not have sung it if you'd been like, hey, sing the Sesame Street Counting to Twelve song. But like now that you sang it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember that. If you grew up in an English-speaking country of any kind, you know that song. Like, I I just think that's an experience that you have. So speaking of counting, Big E starts out, just powerfully in control and gives Bo four bonks on the head. Bo goes to the outside and Biggie is fine with that because he could just dribble Bo against the apron, the hardest part of the ring. They're both on the outside and Bo makes an opportunistic gamble. What signature Corey Graves move changes the complexion of the match? (laughs) Why, it's our old friend, the leg block. How many are there to choose from? (laughs) (laughs) The signature Corey Gray suit. That's right. It works, and Big E is now under Bo's control. Rich Brennan tries to call it Wits versus Braun, and Renee is like, back the entire fuck up. Big E is a genius? So fuck (laughs) off with your racist bullshit. And I was like, fuck yeah, Renee, you're the best. I mean, sometimes not especially woke about women stuff, but I appreciate you showing up against racism and against, like, saying that black people are strong and white people are smart. <sighs> it's so much better when she's here for the entire show and not just for the women's matches. Because oh, like God, yeah. when you bring her out for the women's matches and she does the thing where she temporarily goes insane and starts doing all this weird problematic anti-woman shit. Yeah. Like, it's the only thing you think of when you think of Renee Young. She's really good when she's yes. not doing that. So it's like, oh, OK, Renee Young is just she, she's mostly good. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. Like, internalized misogyny is a thing. So, you know, I I am not immune to it. I just now am able to see it and go, ah, boo. I mean, she's probably just doing what she thinks they want her to do, you know? Probably that. I'm not even prepared to blame her personally. (laughs) I mean, look, let she or they who hath not said... I'm not like other girls cast the first whatever, you know? <laughs> so Bo Dallas does that yo-yo move, spooling Biggie out and then drawing him back in for a forearm to the face. Biggie starts to go super Saiyan and hurls Bo into the corner so hard he bounces and yep. face plants like a thrown Cabbage Patch Kid. He <laughs> kind of looks like a Cabbage Patch Kid, honestly. I can see that. Yeah, it's not unlike Bo Dallas. Biggie starts gathering steam to do a belly flop onto Bo. Okay. He's bouncing from one rope to the other rope. Now, I am prepared to accept <laughs> the fiction 
that bouncing off the ropes is some sort of Mario Kart power-up. Fine. Uh I don't have a problem with that. I'm not prepared to accept that going faster side to side makes a vertical move hit harder. Those are different (laughs) vectors. I just, it really bothered me to go, no, you don't gain speed downwards from going side to side. But anyway. Well, yeah, because he had to, after he was done going side to side, he has to like plant and jump. It's like, so what did that even do? I mean, if if you ever seen The Rock do the people's elbow, it's like, it's the stupidest move in the world and people go insane for it because it's literally- I have never seen The Rock wrestle. I only know him as a movie person. Well, the first time you see the people's elbow, I want to be in the room because holy shit, that move is dumb. So it's all a moot point because Bo gets the knees up and Biggie is stymied, which opens him up to the DDT that is Bo's finisher, right? Uh, Yes. Okay, so Biggie kicks out. That's a big deal. Bo is aghast, positively flummoxed. His discombobulation numbers are off the charts. (laughs) And then the little thought bubble appears over his head. And what does it say? Turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. So he unravels some of the tape around his wrist and throws it in one direction. Like when you distract your dog, you know, you know how it is. You throw it in one direction and you're like, oh shit, quick, grab the thing that the dog wants. So the ref takes the bait, which is always nice. Bo heads to the opposite turnbuckle and removes the pad from the top one. But Big E throws Bo into it, hoisted by his own turnbuckle. Big E pins him for the win, but does not pin him for five because insult Mm. to injury, I guess. And it's honestly bad enough that the crowd is singing, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye, which they don't say goodbye, but all right, fine. And Yeah, they should have. Damn it. I know. So many missed opportunities. So Bo Dallas screams, don't leave me, as we cut to commercial, come back from commercial, and find out that during the break, it was a smorgasbord of great Bo content. I guess this was kind of before everything got gift to death, but I'm like, I give me the gift set of this because this is tremendous. A banger of a way to go out. He told the crowd, I strongly dislike each and every one of you. <laughs> I don't usually use language like this, but you all should know the you people stink. And then got into a shouting match with the audience about you leave. And then the audience goes, you leave. This is not the main event, but it fucking felt like the main event. Like in many ways. It should have been the main event. This is really the main. This emotionally, this is the main event. After this, I was like, well, I I have no more feelings left to feel. The only reason this wasn't the main event was because like they wanted to have Tyson come out at the end because they're trying to sell TakeOver, right? But like for this to open the match and then for them to do the thing like during the break, Bo gave his big farewell. It really rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, damn it. Give this man his moment. So backstage, Tyson Kidd is earnestly earnesting like he's trying out for a sports film. He (laughs) talks directly to the camera, no interviewer in sight. He's going to achieve his destiny and win the title. Fun fact, this is the first time we've seen the loading dock of Full Sail University. We have not seen it, and it looks relatively tidy, which is always nice to see in a loading dock because um, there are safety regulations. So there you go. Absolutely. Has Tyson Kidd ever met an interviewer? Like, is he, does he know that NXT has people whose job it is to put a microphone in his face? No, not that I am aware of. And then also backstage, as Miles noted last time, the style of backstage interviews was like really specific to the characters. It is no different this time. Sammy is here talking to Devin face to face in his flat cap and dropkick Murphy's t-shirt. How's he feeling after losing that match? Well, it stinks, but he's going to keep going until he gets that championship. 
wandering into shot. It's Tyler Breeze. Sammy's like, dude, it's kind of rude of you to just wander into shot. Tyler Breeze is going, oh, you came to cry to Devin? Sammy takes it in stride, but points out, my friend, you got pinned to lose that match. And there's some back and forth, so they're going to fight about it. But not tonight, because Tyler Breeze has a ball to go to. So NXT TakeOver it is. Match two. All right. I didn't hate it as much as Miles probably did. But Tamina Snuka, and she is a hot goth rage babe. I get that she's not great at wrestles, but, you know, she's a hot goth, you know, rage babe. So She has a lot going for her. None of it is wrestling ability. And I have seen her wrestle recently, and so I can understand how... I, how people might feel that her presence does not enrich a wrestling experience. Yes. And Paige comes down the ramp with that tacky butterfly belt that looks like they got it off the sale table at Claire's outlet. (laughs) It just looks like everything that people tried to sell to me in their late 90s, and I resent it. Yeah. The bell goes. It's a lot of feisty shit. Grabbing and throwing and shoving and kicking. And I want to be clear that for all that it's not necessarily artful, they are selling each other's shit. Oh, yeah. They definitely are putting that over, if nothing else. It's honestly not a bad match until the finish. Yeah. There was a couple of stuff that I was like, "Mm, okay. But Tamina clotheslines Paige to the apron and Paige goes down hard. I'm just like, okay, fine. I can see why, you know, you're not necessarily into Tamina because the next thing she does is three power slams in a row. Yeah. 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 And they were good, but it's like, oh, but you need more than that. It is like if somebody just put three steaks on a plate and I'm like, well, they're good. But like, I was hoping for like, a smashed potato or something, you know, not just this. Yeah, I was watching this match again and it was pretty slow. And like, I was trying to think of like, like, is this worse than the Corey Graves match? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it wasn't, though, because I'm like, oh, actually, Tamina is doing moves like she's not, you know, she's not like amazing at them, but she's yeah. doing them. Yeah. And I would say also that compared to the tag team stuff. At WrestleMania, this is better. You mean the tag team turmoil match you were in? Yeah, they, that was yeah. not a good match. That was not no, a good match. And I don't know why it wasn't good. I don't want to get into it. It wasn't it wasn't worth yeah. talking about except for the fact that I like Natalia and I want good things for her. Yeah. So Paige mounts a small comeback, but Tamina starts to put a stop to it, gathers up Paige, sets her on the middle of the top rope, and then this small shove, Paige falls back first to the apron and then to the floor on the outside. It looks so nasty. And I was going, is this a on purpose spot? Was this a botch? What the fuck? Because it looked horrible. Yeah, that was very on purpose. That was that was very much a spot they were setting up. Yeah. Paige, why? Okay, fine. (laughs) I know. Why should I ask that about wrestlers? These people who routinely do things that they're like, oh, man, a good night is whenever I only have bruised bones. You know, there's people who who really love like getting slammed into thumbtacks. So, Mm, mm. hey, I saw that light tubes match and yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) humanity. What can we say? It's a real it's a real mix of things. It's a real smorgasbord. It is a real smorgasbord. Some of it just has thumbtacks in it for some reason. (laughs) Tamina throws Paige back in and climbs to the top, but Paige gets the legs up and then pulls Tamina into a tiny little roll up for the pin. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Well, no, no, (laughs) no, no. no. Hang on. Hang on. (laughs) What actually happens is that Tamina does the splash off the top rope. Paige gets her knees up. Tamina hits Paige's knees stops, belatedly realizes that what she was supposed to do was bounce off Paige's knees 
into the turnbuckle, bounce off that, and then allow Paige to roll her up. So she hits her knees, stops, throws herself backward (laughs) into the turnbuckle, and then stumbles forward so Paige can roll her up. Hey, have you never had to recover from an onstage (laughs) fuck-up? I sure have. I definitely have, but I I was never a professional. Okay, fair enough. I take your point. I, too, have never been paid for any of the theater that I have perpetrated upon people. I don't know. I guess I just have a lot of empathy for that kind of shit, because I'm like, oh, man, I've been there and it fucking sucked. I mean, I have empathy for her. It's just hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Thank you for filling me in on how bad that was, because I think I just went like, oh, all right. Match three, the Sears manager of my heart, Camacho, comes out. And then the Exotic Express with Adam Rose. The cat girl is not there right now, I don't think, which is a bummer. Same selection of people. All the Oompa Loompas are gone. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if they just were like, those were rentals. and They just (laughs) couldn't get any more. But the bell goes and the beatdown starts courtesy of Camacho right until Rose gets into the ropes and sits on that middle rope to pedal his legs. And they finally said the name of the move on commentary. If they've said it before, I wasn't paying attention. The move is called the Rose Pedal. I mean, of course it is. Fucking genius. I don't say this all the time. Miles, wrestling is very good and important. It is. It really is. Camacho gathers up Rose on his shoulders like a kind of how I carry bird seeds sometimes. I lead a sure. very exotic lifestyle. And then falls back onto Rose. And you can't do that with a 20-pound bag of bird seed. Well, mm. I mean, you can, but the sparrows would be fucking irate. <laughs> uh, more so than they usually are because we have some nesting sparrows. And one of them is a little tiny fledgling sparrow and he fucking stares at me through the window and gives me like the stink eye and I'm like, my dude, you cannot even catch your own worms. Do not give me this shit. You don't want to piss off them sparrows though. I know. I'm like, oh, he might come back to haunt me. Who knows? So the crowd starts chanting party pooper and Camacho is like, what a party pooper do this? And then suplexes Adam Rose. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think a party pooper would, but what, I, what do I know? So. Like, yeah. I haven't been to a party in a while. <laughs> He does a jump up to drop one of those thick, juicy thighs on Rose's neck and then starts throwing him into corners. Camacho's shirt gets ripped in the process. And I was like, did you rip it on purpose, Rose Senpai? Because I bet you did. Why are you fighting this love? Just I'm just love each it. other. I'm also, Camacho, why are you ever wearing a shirt? Like, yeah, I he's know. not crazy ripped, but I'm like, dude, you still should not be wearing a shirt. You are you're beautiful. He's so yeah. hot. Rose battles back. Fires up the Exotic Express in order to introduce his testicles at high speed to Camacho's face. And anyone who has ever claimed wrestling is for the straights was lying. So Camacho (laughs) doesn't like it, though. He wanted to meet those testicles on his own terms. He shoves Rose, sending him flying backwards. And then Camacho rolls out of the ring and stands on the apron, stalling awkwardly until the ref counts 10, giving Adam Rose the victory by countout. Match four. As Sasha comes to the ring, we get a little package from Charlotte that's very passive-aggressive and makes me grateful that eventually Charlotte becomes aggressive-aggressive, which is much more fun. Basically, she doesn't really want Sasha to win because facing her in the ring would be awkward. It's like, wow. Yeah, I've often gone, I hope my friends aren't too successful because then it would be awkward for me personally. Like, oh my god, you're a monster. So Natalia comes out looking like an ad for the color pink. Which is not really my favorite color, but I don't know. If Natalia's selling, all right, I'm buying. It starts with Sasha trying to start shit, shoving and being a dick to Natty. Sasha is happy to start shit. She didn't want to finish shit. 
Natty pursues. Sasha runs to hide in the ropes. And it was kind of amazing because Sasha is so tiny that she was basically a tiny ball hovering between the middle and top rope. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's very small. She is. She's so tiny. So keep in mind that throughout this, Charlotte is on the outside looking interested in the proceedings, but specifically for selfish reasons. So if yes. at any time you're wondering what's going on, Charlotte's going, huh, interesting. I wonder how this relates to me. <laughs> Sasha comes at Natalia and does a Casadora, which I have never understood the role, the purpose. Okay, so it's the move where you somehow wrap your legs around your opponent's waist, but you're facing away from them. So if you've ever seen some of the riskier shit in the Kama Sutra, the really like, hey, do you hate your spine kind of shit? It's a real wheelbarrow for the advanced practitioner kind of move. You're scissor hugging your legs around your opponent, and then usually you let momentum take you down, and I think through their legs to flip your enemy. It's fun to watch, but I, it's very confusing every time I see it. I'm like, why, why are you doing this? Is it just to show how cool you are for doing it? I mean, yeah, basically. You know what? If that's all it's there to do, A+. plus. But Natalia manages to get Sasha down, and then the back stomp. The drop kick to the face. Sasha is displeased. She throws Natalia to the corner and gets her laid out on the middle rope and then comes down on that firm underbelly knees first. Natalia just crumples to the mat. And then foot stompies from Sasha, that signature move. And now the signature ratchet chant. I was like, fuck all the way off NXT universe. <sighs> Sasha, I know. So one of these days they're not going to do it, but that day is That's not true. today. Sasha locks in the eat your elbows hold, but Natalia comes back and throws Sasha clear across the ring in what the announcers called a butterfly suplex. But let me tell you, that looked like it had the sting of a tarantula hawk, which is the state insect of New Mexico, and a horrifying monstrosity. Do not Google it if you have spooky feelings about insects. Totally fine renaming that move the tarantula hawk suplex. Oh man, tarantula hawks are terrifying. Natalia then slams Sasha down onto her ass, and it made my tailbone weep. It looked <laughs> horrific. Sasha understandably gets the fuck out of the ring. Charlotte, like the worst sports parent ever, is there to go, get back in there and finish this, and basically gathers Sasha up and throws her back into the ring, only for Natty to lock in the sharpshooter and Sasha to tap out. Charlotte's mouth drops open just slightly. So it's going to be Charlotte versus Natalia at TakeOver for the NXT Women's Championship. Yes. Match five. Finally, the reason we all showed up tonight, Adrian Neville versus Kurt Hawkins. Thank God. You know, <laughs> thank God. Kurt Hawkins is given the most generic swirling magic eye entrance visuals ever. It's not even in colors. I think it's in grayscale. Couldn't afford colored pixels for this. He's not wearing the choker. It's a crying shame. This is, frankly, Kurt Hawkins' defamation, and I will not have it. Neville comes out, and the audience seems a little more hyped for Kurt Hawkins, actually. And I was kind of confused about that. But look, Kurt Hawkins doesn't win. Neville comes out of it looking very put together and very strong. So I'm just going to give Kurt Hawkins the attention he deserves. Here is a list of things Kurt Hawkins does in this match. A very nice kip-up. He hits Neville in the back of the head and then poses next to him on the apron like their kids watching TV together. He gives the ref a brief, get the fuck out of my way, stripey look. He does a good vertical suplex. He gets Neville in a headlock and then bounces Neville's head a little bit like he's jiggling a fussy baby. Miles, there is a Let's Go Hawkins chant, and it is yes. stronger than the Neville chant. What, yeah. What is going on? 
Okay, so there's two things going on. First of all, you put on a main event between your NXT champion and a guy that is never there because he's kind of a loser even on the main roster. Like, you know who's going to win. You're going to get bored. You might you might do something just to entertain yourself. So that's part mm, of it. Another okay. part of it is that it's just it's the eternal problem of wrestling, which is mm. that once you win the championship, you almost immediately start to become stale. And I'm not saying <sighs> Neville has become stale, but I am saying that all of that organic crowd support that a lot of people ride to the championship has a tendency to evaporate somewhat quickly when you're holding the championship. It's one of the reasons that one of the best ways to do wrestling, to like book wrestling, is to have your year-long heel run and the babyface finally dethrones him and then loses the title in like a month. You know what I mean? So that, that so that you could do the whole thing again. It's because it's so much less satisfying to see a babyface defend the championship than it is to see them win it. So I think it's a combination of those two things. I wouldn't say the crowd is like over Neville at this point by any means, but I think the combination of those two things factored into Hawkins getting some chance here. It's just such an interesting way to understand human psychology. I know it's bizarre. You want something, but the moment you have it, you're like, ah, but I don't really want it. If you were to like subtitle all of professional wrestling, the subtitle would be an interesting way to understand human psychology. Wrestling is in many ways predicated upon what most drives us. Yes. And then how do you turn that into money? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's the whole, that's the whole moral of humanity in some way. No, there's, there's pre-money civilizations and stuff. Yeah, 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 totally. Also, Kurt Hawkins is wearing his cute little blue fight gloves, which I always enjoy. I don't know what those are for. And he flips backwards when eating a missile dropkick from Neville, and it's fantastic. He sells the shit out of it. Then he gets pinned, and it's over. I love you, Kurt Hawkins. I hope good things for you. I don't know what you're up to in 2021. Call me. I'll buy you a pretzel. All right. (laughs) Tyson Kidd comes out on the mic to applaud Neville and then wants to say some politely Canadian threats. He's been on Raw. Fact. He's been on SmackDown. Fact. He's a former WWE Tag Team Champion. Fact. He's also been on WrestleMania. Fact. He's going to get that title. It's his launch pad to get it all back. And then Neville says that he's the future and this is his ring. So at TakeOver, the only member of Tyson Kidd's family taking home the gold, as per usual, will be his wife. There is a visceral oh from the crowd (laughs) which is appropriate because neville has just committed a murder (laughs) and i mean look great for tyson kid that he has such a cool and talented wife but still i don't think anybody wants to be known for how great their spouse is i mean i don't know i sort of do but i also i don't want to be known only in proximity to my spouse i would like to also be known as my own person and boy neville just saw that that raw nerve right there and then slammed a mallet onto it. Like in this segment, you could tell the crowd is definitely not over him because like they're very much on his side with the Tyson Kidd thing. When Neville starts his part of the promo, they start chanting fact after everything yeah, he says, which is great. great. All right. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode overall? I enjoyed it. 
I think there was a lot to love. I don't know that the wrestling was really what there was to love. It reminded me of some of the early days of NXT whenever I just started watching it. And so it was really pleasing to get to have some of those same feelings. I don't know. Every time I see Kurt Hawkins, I'm like, it's you from when I was a baby, even though I'm like, (laughs) that was two years ago. All right. Well, speaking of uh, people we first met two years ago back in our first or second episodes, it's time to ring the bell, Bob. Okay. And on this episode, we are first ringing the bell for Tamina. Oh, okay. This is her final NXT match and, uh, you know, doesn't exactly go out on a high note, which is pretty much par for the course for her. Tamina's career has been started and stopped numerous times, either because of injury or because she's just not a good wrestler. Like, I'm sorry, I don't dislike her personally. She's just not a good wrestler. Mm, I have heard this critique. What she is, however, is still employed by WWE, and actually the return of the women's tag team division has been a real boon for her since it has allowed her to be part of the show without having to do as much wrestling. Mm. Um, In fact, as we record this, she has recently won her very first championship in WWE, as she is currently one half of the WWE women's tag team champions alongside Natalia. So there you go. Tamina, not great at what she does, but you know what? She's good enough that she keeps collecting those paychecks, so good for her. I mean, look, we've been letting white men be average for so long. True. Justice for everyone else. All right, so here's the big one. And Bob, you knew this one was coming. (sighs) Yes, I did. I can't believe you fucking teased me that it wasn't coming, and then uh, you fucking liar. I know, I'm the worst. Bob, on this episode, we are ringing the bell for Kurt Hawkins. (gasps) Oh! I know. I thought you were going to say Bo Dallas, but it doesn't hurt that much less. <laughs> it's Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> we are not ringing the bell for Bo Dallas just yet. Okay. This was actually Kurt Hawkins' final match for WWE period before being <gasps> released from the company in June 2014. He worked on the indies and in Impact for a while using his real name, Brian Myers, before returning to WWE in 2016. He kicked off his second WWE run with a poorly received gimmick in which he refused to wrestle matches. (laughs) And then he embarked on what is probably his most famous storyline, his losing streak. Oh. Um, (laughs) In November 2016, he won a match on SmackDown and he wouldn't win another one for two and a half years. And uh, this wasn't some kind of, like, brilliant scheme to get the fans to sympathize with him or anything. He was a heel and a loser, and the streak was pretty much, like, a joke. Um, However, however, in early 2019, he turned babyface and reunited with his former tag team partner, Zack Ryder, who we will meet down the road, on the pre-show for WrestleMania 35, a.k.a. the last regular WrestleMania before the Rona. Mm Mm-hmm. Hawkins and Ryder won the tag team titles with Hawkins getting the pin and ending the streak after what WWE says is 269 consecutive losses. Nice. Hawkins is also from the New York area, which was where WrestleMania took place that year. So it was actually kind of a cool thing that would have been even cooler if it hadn't happened on the fucking pre-show while people were still showing up to the arena. But the fans who were there were super into it. Unfortunately, Hawkins and Ryder lost those titles pretty quickly after that and immediately also lost anything resembling a push. They were both released from WWE in April 2020 due to COVID-related budget cuts because WWE is a garbage company. And we cannot say it often enough. Yes. Hawkins has since landed back at Impact 
and has been wrestling there under the name Brian Myers once again. You know what? I am almost tempted, almost tempted to start watching Impact just to support Brian Myers. There are so many reasons to be tempted to watch Impact, and then you start watching an episode of Impact, and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, but I it, tried real hard. Yeah, but if you are uh, if you are wanting to see more of his work, that is where you will currently find him. I hope good things for him. We've already had a bunch of feels, but it is now time for the sight, sounds, and feels officially of pro wrestling. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Don't know if you caught it, but Paige does one of her werewolf howls before uh-huh. attacking Tamina. She is grabbing her own ass with both hands as she does it, and it is <laughs> hilarious, and I loved it. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah, there is not. It's just really great. Like, scream and grab your own butt, but like in victory, not in defeat. <laughs> All right, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? So I mentioned on our last episode that Sasha Banks was going to debut a new signature move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the move that you uh, pointed out, Bob, where she uh, has Natalia like through the middle rope on the turnbuckle mm-hmm. and uh, jumps up and drives her knees down into the midsection and drives Natalia into the mat. I was just so excited to see it. It's one of my favorite moves she does. It's very and good. I just love watching it. It always looks ridiculously brutal and like it should kill you. And I just love it. I was so happy to see it. Like, again, every time we see Sasha, she's getting closer and closer to the fully realized version of the character that uh, I know and love so much. And uh, this was a big, important step in that regard. So very happy to see that. Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? I fear that we may have chosen the same one, but... Well, I have two, so we'll see what you got. Okay. Bo Dallas is a genius inside the ring. He was champion for 260 days. Betcha he wasn't a genius at 100 days, but at 200 to 260, your wrestling IQ goes up tremendously. (laughs) That was from Alex Riley, and I was like, I'm going to need a citation for the peer-reviewed article you gathered that from, sir. That sounds very spurious to me. How the fuck would you know Alex Riley talking about, you know, the wrestling genius that you gain from being champion for a lengthy period of time is just super ironic. Mm, all right, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? I mean, well, we already talked about Tyler Breeze going to a ball, which is was just tremendous. I loved it a lot. Um, <sighs> so good. So I'm just going to say that uh, Adam Rose apparently has a magic strawberry. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that part. Uh, but, uh, I did not, but I feel like this only complicates the fact that William Regal claims that he is called Little Strawberry by, yeah. by Adam Rose. And I'm like, what does this mean? Is this a drug reference? What is happening? He's got a little strawberry necklace, and one of the commentators says that uh, he asked him about it, and he said it was magic. So... <laughs> I think you might be thinking of the mushrooms, Adam, but that's fine, too. Oh, my God. All right, Bob. What did your human heart feel? There was, and it wasn't very loud, and you may not have caught it. Maybe I was hearing it with my heart instead of my ears, but a very faint thank you, Bo chant <laughs> as was Bo there? Dallas was leaving. Yes, just just a few. And it meant so much to me because I was like... You are getting fed by this performer in ways that are almost impossible to calculate. 
he's, he's not even that kind of heel where you hate him and you're like, oh man, I want to punch his face. It's not even that. It's just like, you're annoying. Stop it. But oh my God, it's so great. And so I was like, yes, thank you, Bo. Thank you. Miles, what did your human heart feel? I mean, also Bo. Like, who are we kidding? He <laughs> I was know, on the episode. This is just the Bo show now. Yeah, he's on the episode. He was the best part of the episode. He's fucking amazing. But I honestly, like, legitimately felt for his character in that moment, too. Because, yeah. like, JBL, fucking piece of shit dickwad JBL, was like, you have to wrestle for your job. Uh, yeah. And you have to wrestle a main roster guy who's, like, a monster. And, like, fucking Bo hit his finisher on him. Like, most other people, he would have won that match. But it was mm. Big E, so he didn't. Just gave me a little bit of sympathy for him, although I did like the poetic turnbuckle justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and as a as a quick side thing my human heart felt, you might notice that he is now Big E and no longer Big E Langston. Uh, pour one out for last names, which... Vince yes. McMahon apparently fucking hates for some reason. Yes, I I miss them very much. If you are not watching along with us, I really would urge you go to Hulu if you have a Hulu and watch this episode, at least watch that first match so you can see Bo Dallas losing it as he gets ready to leave NXT and sort of like yelling at them. It's so good. You're going to do yourself a big disservice if you don't go watch it. All right, well, speaking of a big disservice, that's a weird segue, but you know what? We're going to go with it for now. <laughs> I mean, this fic could be, I don't know, we'll see. It is just about time for a wrestling term of the week, but before that, we need to get Bob's fic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was Signature Move. I got a big confession to make, which is that I wrote this based on having seen an single film featuring this character in a bit part. So <laughs> I am not well-versed in the way that this character talks. I did my best. I looked at quotes. I will say that in my, I did do that. Okay. And then the other character, I feel like I did all right. All right, take it away. Jay scratched lazily behind one ear. <laughs> What the fuck you mean we gotta have a signature move? I bumped the guy in the nuts while the referee wasn't looking, and then I made him lick the joint I was rolling as I pinned him. What the fuck else you want from me, a blowjob? Silent Bob raised an eyebrow as Richard Castle slapped a palm over his face. Yes, I get that. You've got what we're gonna go ahead and politely call a finisher. Jay elbowed Silent Bob. <laughs> finish. Like fucking. Wait, no, dude, does it make it gay that I finish dudes in the ring? Not that I'm homophobic, but I want to be knee-deep in that pink. They're going to just hug me and shit if they think I'm gay. Castle blinked rapidly. You're worried that women are going to hug you? I feel like that's really misunderstanding the issue here. No, fucking listen when I'm talking. I'm worried they won't want to bump uglies. Get nasty, you know? Castle looked at Silent Bob, who slapped Jay in the back of the head. Okay, you've got a finishing move, but that's not enough for people to understand your character. What you're about, you need more. you got to have moves that are yours, that make you distinct. When you wrestle, it needs to be clear who you are and how you move. Like if I pantsed a guy first. No, not like pantsing someone. Did you even look at the PDF I sent you on character development? Nah, man. Can't remember my password. Can't remember how many O's I put in boobs. Jay said, <laughs> mouth smoking around a large hit. He passed the bong over to Silent Bob. Okay, well, I think we're done here for today. Come back next week with maybe an idea. Who knows? If we're lucky, you might even have two. What is this shit? You're supposed to be the one with the ideas. Why the hell are we paying you then? 
Castle held up a hand and then gestured around to the wrestling school he was part-timing at. I feel like that's a great question. Why are you here? In this wrestling school? Jay, think about that. Shit. I just thought it was a good place to meet chicks who could bench press me. <laughs> Castle closed his eyes and shook his head slowly as Silent Bob dragged Jay out the door. What the fuck, Chewie? You signed with this idea's cheapskate? I handed him like $40 to meet girls and he wants to know about my moves? He's the freak here, okay? Tremendous. I thought you did a very nice job, Bob, of capturing that particular character's voice. I have heard you voice Jay from the Kevin Smith films on an episode of Surprise Party and have since lived with deep shame that I will never be able to do a Jay voice in that way. But thank you so much to Brian Clark for the suggestion of Jay and Silent Bob and to Jeff Pollier for the suggestion of Richard Castle. I hope that this meets with Approval may be more than I can hope for, but your kind tolerance for this nonsense. I loved it. Well, with that out of the way, Bob, it is now time for Wrestling Move of the Week. All right. And the Wrestling Move of the Week is the figure four. Oh, man. We've previously covered the sharpshooter on Wrestling Move of the Week, and since it's going to be Natalia and Charlotte at TakeOver, and the fact that both of them come from famous wrestling lineages is lost on nobody during the production and execution of that match, I thought we should take some time in this episode to talk about the Figure 4 Grapevine, popularly known as the Figure 4 Leglock, or just the Figure 4. It is probably the most famous finishing move of all time, and WWE in particular tends to treat the figure four with particular reverence. A big part of the reason for this is that it was invented by Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, a.k.a. the first ever WWF champion back when it was actually the WWF championship because the company was called the World Wide Wrestling Federation. Mm. And it was popularized by Ric Flair, who was inspired by Rogers to such an extent that the high-rolling ladies' man gimmick that made him famous was essentially the same gimmick that Rogers used, right down to the fact that Flair started calling himself the Nature Boy and appropriated the figure four as his finisher. As a side note, this sort of thing is typically referred to as gimmick infringement, Mm. uh, which is when you're playing a very similar character or using very similar moves to the ones being played by another wrestler, usually in another promotion. However, in this case, Flair becoming the Nature Boy was sanctioned by Rogers, and the two even feuded over the gimmick late in Rogers' career, a feud that Flair won, signifying the official passing of the torch. There is a tradition of passing things down in pro wrestling, usually moves, and the figure four has been passed down numerous times. So to perform the figure four, you get your opponent down on their back, grab their right leg, and step over it with your left leg. You can also reverse this process to do it the other way, but this is the way we're going to talk about it in this case. Then you twist back around, grab their left leg, sit down on the mat, and lock your right leg over their right ankle. And I know that sounds super complicated and very pretty much impossible to visualize just by me saying it. Um, Yeah. But the bottom line is when you do it right, you use your legs to lock their legs into a painful four shape, applying pressure to their knee and shin. However... If your opponent can manage to turn over without breaking the hold, turning you over in the process, the pressure is then reversed to your knee and shin, and suddenly you're the one in the submission hold. Mm. This counter to the figure four is almost as famous as the figure four itself, which actually humanizes the move in a weird way. It's an extremely powerful hold, but it's also risky. Personally, I think 
This is the biggest reason the figure four is so famous, because it plays so well in wrestling storytelling. To the classic struggle between wrestler A applying a move and wrestler B trying to escape, a new element is added by which countering the hold suddenly puts you on the offensive. Mm. It's actually a really brilliant idea, and you can tell it's brilliant because of how many fans get so ridiculously invested in whether or not two people lying down will in fact turn over. <laughs> oh. So that was the wrestling move of the week, and uh, in two episodes, on episode 55, Bob will have a fanfic explaining it. Episode 54, we're covering TakeOver, we've got a guest, it's a whole thing, you don't want to miss it. Yeah! Well, we are coming to the end of the show, but there's one thing we have to do before we go. That's the cheap pop quiz. Hit me with it. Question number one. In addition to the five matches scheduled for TakeOver, there is a non-match segment featuring which wrestlers? A. Bo Dallas and Mojo Rawley. B. Rusev and Mojo Rawley. C. Rusev and CJ Parker. D. CJ Parker, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass. Or E. Bo Dallas, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass. All right. Given that CJ Parker was holding up that sign during the Big Cass thing, mm-hmm. that makes the most sense. I'm going to go with that. Although I hope that Rusev and Mojo Raleigh start feuding so that way I can get both of their matches out of the way at the same time. <laughs> Okay, so your answer is D, CJ Parker, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass. Question number two. Which of the following wrestlers show up at TakeOver with new entrance music? Is it A, Charlotte, B, Charlotte and Sami Zayn, C, Charlotte, Sami Zayn, and Tyler Breeze, D, Charlotte, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Tyson Kidd, or E, none of the above? I'm going to choose E. I don't know why. (laughs) Okay. I'm a real sucker. I'm a real none or all, Mark. (laughs) Okay. Your answer is E. None of the above. I don't know why. What's wrong with me? (laughs) I know. You listening at home are like, why isn't making Bob stopping themselves? It's because I can't. I, (laughs) I cannot stop myself. I am trying to pick another answer even as I sit here, and I cannot. All right, fair enough. And question number three. All right, Bob, just like we did with Arrival, I'm now going to ask you to predict the outcome of three matches at NXT TakeOver. Okay. In this case, we're going to do the three main singles matches. So who wins the matches between Neville and Kidd, Charlotte and Natalia, and Zayn and Breeze? Oof. Okay. Recalling that uh, the Sami Zayn-Tyler Breeze match is a number one contenders match for the NXT championship. And the other two are championship matches. I think Neville retains. I think Charlotte wins. That was your pick at the beginning. Yeah. There's reasons why Natalia could win, but there's more pressing reasons why it makes sense to have Charlotte win. Okay. Depending on the long haul. And then I think... This is pieced together with like two things I know. I know that there is a thing called Sammy's Road to Redemption. I don't know anything about it. I know it's a thing. Yes. And I also know that Tyler Breeze has been in some fanfics with Adrian Neville. Okay. Now, 
those two facts to me exist as a straight line because they are the only two data points I possess, Miles. Okay. So based on that, I am going to say Tyler Breeze. All right. So your answer is Neville, Charlotte, and Breeze. Well, Bob, uh, you currently have 12 points. So if you swept that quiz, then you will have your bonus episode uh, with a romance novel with a guest. Sure. I don't think that's what happened, but sure. (laughs) We can dream. (laughs) Before we cover Takeover on our next episode, we will learn how many answers, if any indeed, Bob got right from this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, thank you so much, as always, for joining me. Thank you. I always learn something new, and um, oftentimes it's a nice thing. (laughs) Oftentimes, not always. I mean, well, Vince McMahon is involved, so there's sometimes it won't be nice things. Sure. Hey, speaking of nice things, Bob. Yeah. We have to talk about our patrons for a second. (gasps) They are the nicest. They're fantastic. And as it happens, in addition to uh, the patrons we already have, As of this episode, we have two new additions. Oh my goodness. Two new signees to the Next Wrestling Fan Federation. We are rich. We are rich in patrons. I love every single one of them. Our patron cup runneth over. It does. We're going to need to get a second Uh, one. (laughs) Or a bigger one. (laughs) Well, I guess that's another way to handle it. Yeah, a bowl, maybe. (laughs) A patron bowl. Uh, Yeah, a punch bowl. Yeah, when our bowl runneth over, we'll get a patron walk. (laughs) Until we go through every household item that one might possess that could (laughs) theoretically hold liquid. I want to tell you a little bit about our two latest signees here, Bob. Uh, The first one... I did for you. Uh, I don't really know how I decided to do this. On the independent scene, this individual went by the name of Christian Bard. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. That's a powerful name regardless. Yeah, maybe it was just because the Bard thing got me thinking of the theater. or Maybe it was just because, you know, Bob has been on vacation and I've been on vacation. and We haven't been recording as often. And I was kind of missing the show. But uh, in our promotion, Christian Bard will be playing the role of Eric LaRue. Ooh. Who, uh, if you haven't figured out based on the name alone, is going to be a Phantom of the Opera themed character. Oh my god, my heart, my heart. This is now my favorite person (laughs) in the promotion, regardless of how problematic Phantom of the Opera is, because I am a mark. I was just thinking of, like, what kind of things I love in wrestling. I love it when Aiden English comes down to the ring and sings songs. I love the inherent drama of of luchadors and the masks and the the question of whether or not their face will be revealed. So I thought, why not have a character who is a lonely but handsome sad boy, but only handsome. We don't know if they're handsome or not because they have a mask over their face. And so, you know, every time they're going to come to the ring singing their songs And then, you know, in the ring, it'll be a question of can the opponent take the mask? Can the opponent Uh. reveal to the audience the horrors that uh, that Eric LaRue has sought to to spare them from? But I could love them anyway. (laughs) You definitely could. But of course, they should have all sorts of uh, supernatural powers as well. Oh, a garrote naturally, which is very dangerous. And you shouldn't have that in a wrestling match or indeed in any situation. There's no garage appropriate situation. <laughs> so thank you so much, Christian. Uh, hope you enjoy your new character. 
And then we have our next signee who went by the name of James Gibson. Now, uh, James Gibson is uh, actually uh, the name of a professional wrestler. (laughs) And so I very much played with the idea of doing some sort of Jamie Noble themed thing uh, because that was his character in WWE was Jamie Mm. Noble. Um, But uh, James also wrote to request that the character be female. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to take that into account. And also, you never know, it might actually be James Gibson. Oh, wow. So, like, I don't want to, like, give James Gibson the same character that James Gibson had before. Yeah. We actually got this patron request right before recording the outro. And so Bob and I were chatting a little bit about what the character should be. And what I eventually came up with that Bob sort of inspired me to think about is that this character's name is Mildred Burns. Oh, okay. Tell me more. So the name is an amalgamation of Mildred Burke and Farmer Martin Burns, uh, who were two of the wrestling pioneers. And my idea for Mildred Burns is that Mildred Burns is an immortal. Okay. Not a vampire, not having any other abilities, just for whatever reason, lives forever. And uh, has been part of professional wrestling since its inception, possibly sent it in certain directions back in the day. And so sort of has a a world weary, immortal tiredness to her, but also knows all the wrestling moves, (laughs) possibly because she invented all the wrestling moves. Invented everything. That's that's kind of the idea that I came up with. It's a little bit less flashy than we sometimes do. But um, James also mentioned the reason that they wanted their character to be female is because they have a an all-female promotion on a WWE game that they run, and they would love to make this character. So I thought I would make it a little bit basic, at least in terms of aesthetics, and let James kind of do that work themselves, determine what they should look like in their game. Uh, but whatever they look like, they have been on this earth for a very long time, and they have seen every chapter in the history of professional wrestling from the beginning and uh, have not been able to get away are still drawn to the allure of this wonderful thing that we all love. How many men has Mildred Burns put into a headlock? Oh, you have no idea. I mean, they, they have been just lined up at her feet. Countless throughout history, thousands. You know, I like the idea of like, was there when Julius Caesar? No, that's too old. But or maybe. No, it's not. It's really not. No one knows how old Mildred Burns truly is. Was she there during the origins of the Greco-Roman tradition? Possibly. I'm not going to say no. I'm here for it. Thank you, James, so much for your contribution to our show. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Christian, as well. Again, really appreciate you all helping us uh, make this program and expanding our our wrestling roster. So if Bob and I ever go completely insane again and do another Ill Omens, uh, we can have even more characters to draw from. We are also uh, pretty close to our $200 goal at this point. So uh, if you would like Bob and I to do another bonus episode covering a piece of media voted on by patrons, uh, we got about less than $10 to go. So tell your friends to go over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan to help us uh, get there and get more fantastic content from Bob and myself. I'll watch that Christmas movie that the Miz was in. I'll do it. I think the last thing we have to talk about before we get out of here, Bob, is uh, the fact that just recent news in the wrestling world that's pertinent to our interests, WWE recently released 
Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend. God. He is now a free agent because this company does not know what the fuck they're doing. So It's like they um, threw gold into the toilet. Like, I yeah. don't understand it. I want Bray Wyatt to go and have everything that he has been denied over these past many years and have the creative freedom to do all kinds of insane, wonderful, beautiful things. I hope he gets all of it. Me too. And I really hope that he pops up somewhere else doing something different with the character that he created. Yeah. Um, and I actually talked a little bit about that in the piece I recently wrote for uh, Fanbyte. Um, fanfight specifically fanbite.com slash wrestling uh, I wrote a piece for them called Bray Wyatt's strength was his faith in himself currently up on their website uh, I'm very very pleased and honored to have been able to uh, write a piece for fanfight it's so good go read it even if you don't know that much about Bray Wyatt as I do not it is so interesting to see this retrospective of a stifled creative genius and understand more about the way that his process has gone and the kind of rises and falls that it's gone through and the kind of reasons why it's done that. It's so interesting. Thank you. I'm really glad you liked it. I appreciate the praise. I had a lot of fun writing it. I mean, it was kind of, it was a lot of work, but uh, the finished product is one that I'm very proud of. So y'all are welcome to go check that out. Our show has now come to an end. Thank you all so much for listening to it and supporting us. We really appreciate you, and we will see you in two weeks with a new episode covering the first takeover here on The Next Wrestling Fan. Hasta la vista. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. And then Kamacho rolls out of the ring and stands on the apron, stalling awkwardly until the ref counts 10, giving Adam Rose the victory by count out. Match number four, as <laughs> Sasha, what? Was that just a long silence? Oh no, that was for to make sure I didn't have any burps. Okay. But now I'm going to drink water and then maybe I will have burps. So there. Yeah, fair enough. It's the desert, man. You always got to be hydrating. Absolutely. Well, you have to if you have a human body. Yeah, I mean, yes, but more than usual here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, <laughs> pause for my dog leaving the room because I'm being too loud. Wraith, get out of here if you're going. Go. Bye-bye. Go.
No, but don't you love me? No, I don't. Not right now. Go away. Don't you dare scratch yourself. Stop it.